working on this and um i don't know just like one of my i'm not like the most um not i'm not like a super deep thinker consistently um actually my personality i've taken personality tests tests that call me superficial i detest that but uh, there's some truth to it and um I was just like sitting down trying to like think about, okay, like motions, this like the topic. And I was like, I don't know. So I just kind of like backed up a little bit and like asked bigger questions and then just took a train of thought somewhere. And I think it led somewhere, but you guys can be the judge of that. Um, so this, this should be fun is what I'm trying to say. So here we go. Um, Sharon screen PowerPoint and we're off. You guys see that thumbs up. Yeah, no, um, good. So let's get right into it. What, what, what was the questions that I was hitting with? The question. It's just it's one question stated three ways. So sorry, it's kind of sitting in my room, and I was like, okay, like what do you care about? I have a phrase like, what do we care about? Like, but you specifically, I guess I'm asking you, what do you care about? Stated a different a different way. What do you think about consistently? Like, what are thoughts that come up to your mind like multiple times a day? Like, are there any, like, any patterns there? Um, repeats. Any ones that you kind of, like, more, like, familiar with, you know? Like, for instance, if you had bees around your house and this thought show up at the front door, the bees would be like, oh, I've seen that thought before. They just let them right in. Or what matters to you? There's kind of three questions stated the same way. Um, I guess the fourth way could even be, like, what do you place your hope in? Right? Um because I think with, with these questions, that question in particular, there's different categories, right? There's different categories for these questions. So up top, what do you care about? I think there's like the first category would be like base things, right? Okay, that's like your hair. All right, like what does my hair look like today? Your clothes, you know? Like, oh, do I, do I look okay? Your car, my car cool enough. Your image, what people think of you. The thing you said yesterday that made you look silly. Like, you know, these are just like taking stock of your social status. These are just like base things. Like, you're not like, inherently evil it's not evil to own a car to have clothes or have hair but like if these are in your mind all the time it's kind of like well clearly you're thinking about yourself a lot second category i'll say are like anxious things these are things that can like hit you and maybe like stir you up a little bit right they're kind of like maybe sometimes that gut punch you're like you're like oh shoot so i would say stuff like in college especially when i get a job right you're like oh no i'm gonna be stuck without a job forever especially with this crazy economy I have enough money. Like, man, am I going to like be starving on the street someday? What do people think of me? Right. Let's get some social dimension to this, not just financial. Um, am I enough for others? It's getting pretty deep here. Um, will I ever find a boyfriend or girlfriend? I've talked to quite a few young men who have that question on their mind and it brings much anxiety to their life. Uh, if I actually have friends or just people who are nice to me, I don't know if all you have this thought, but I certainly have, have that, had it in the past um, more than once. Um, it's just kind of like, it's not a really helpful thought. It's pretty, it's like anxiety ridden and it's just, yeah, whatever. Uh, will I get my homework done tonight? Am I making good enough grades so I don't fail in life? These are just kind of like some examples of anxious, anxious things that we care about and like thought patterns we can find throughout our day, right? I'm sure you guys could fill out an entire other list with maybe some of your consistent resonances in your brain. All right. Well, God screwed me over in the future. That's the last one. It's a good one. Um, maybe yours is a little less blunt than that. Unhelpful things. That's in the third category. What do you care about? Like, 
would say there's unhelpful things like thinking, will the coronavirus ever end? Like, are we going to be stuck in this? Is Christmas going to be canceled? You know, I don't know if you guys have gone that far yet, but obsession about the news. Everything is so messed up, right? Oh, bad news all the time. You're obsessed about politics. Like, oh, this person's the worst. You just get all worked up. Um, obsession about sports. Uh, by the way, shout out NFL draft is tonight. Um, pity parties. These are unhelpful. Woe is me. Um, did that person mean to diss me there? Kind of interpersonal stuff. These are unhelpful. I'm not respected here like I should be. Um, I get overlooked a lot. And like what these really kind of point to is like in like status, uh, they point to comfort, all these things. Like, what do you care about? These are thoughts that kind of point towards what you ultimately care about, right? If you're obsessed about people dissing you, well, maybe you care about social status um, or respect. Same deal there. Um, sports, politics, news, maybe like you really want to help people. It's, it's focused in the wrong way. Whatever it is, these are unhelpful things, right? I mean, they're taken to extremes. So here's the thing. Cool picture. The thing. The frequency and intensity of these thoughts point to what we place our hope in. That's kind of like the thesis in a way, I guess, what we're talking about. The frequency and intensity of these thoughts point to what we place our hope in. Hopefully we can all see that or agree with that. If not, maybe you'll get an aha moment later this week. Um, And the second thing is they impact our emotions. These thoughts, thought patterns, roads we go down, they impact our emotions. I'm going to pull my notes here. Um, Good. So emotions, cue culturally appropriate picture. Um, what's the deal with them? Uh, I found this, I don't know, have anything to do with this except the fact that it says original sin. That's what we're going to talk about. It's a pretty cool picture. I don't, I've never really heard of the game or played it before, but it's pretty intense. Um, anyways, original sin, the problem with emotions, right? I'm sure you guys have talked about this a million times, but I just want to give us one last kind of like maybe, uh, one last leg on the way home of closing out the course. Um, this is catechism straight from the source itself, but in that man preferred him in that sin. So original sin, first sin, man preferred himself to God and by that very act scorned him. He chose himself over and against God, against his own requirements, his creaturely status, and therefore against his own good. Um, so if you go back, previously intensities of the thoughts point to what we place our hope in. And this is basically saying that, we place our hope a lot of times in ourself or other things that aren't God, right? And that's really, in a nutshell, the original sin. So what are the effects? Darkened intellect. These are, there's three effects, right, eventual sin. Darkened intellect. We're easily confused. We're not sure of the truth all the time. Um, we can uh, prefer sin over, like, goodness, truth, and beauty, which is, like, obviously not thinking right. It's like, hey, do you want this piece of dog poop or this steak? We're like, oh, I'll take the dog poop. Like, wait, didn't want to do that. But we do it again, time and time again. Weakened will. We have a hard time choosing what is good, right? Like St. Paul talks about, we know the good, but the struggle is real. Amen? Uh, disordered passion is the last one. So our emotions don't always operate in accordance with the true good and beautiful, right? They can sometimes go and be going haywire, wrong thoughts, um, really affecting us. So what we're focusing on right now is disordered passions aka emotions right and not and quick to say like not all uh, for that not all emotions are bad emotions are obviously a good thing given by god 
But the fact is, like, the same way, like, our will is not bad. Like, our capacity to choose is great. The fact is, our will is not always operating at peak efficiency. Same with our intellect. We don't always see the truth, know the truth, and live the truth. Um, sometimes we're confused. Same with our emotions. Emotions aren't always in line with what we're going for. So I would say the number one emotion that would describe our current generation, like myself included on down, like would be anxiety, right? I don't know if you guys have ever maybe seen that or thought about it, um, experienced it, or maybe named it for what it was. But anxiety is a real thing. And there's a mental illness side to this completely, and that's um, – you know, maybe anxiety taken to like a larger level, traumatic events. I'm not a counselor. Um, but what I do know is like there's like little a anxiety, we'll call it, in all of our lives. And sometimes it's more dehabilitating than others. Um, but anxiety is real, right? And all those thoughts, those different things we were talking about above, like some produce anxiety, some are unhelpful. Even the unhelpful ones produce anxiety. And even the base ones produce anxiety. So we start freaking out about our hair. And then we're thinking about these things and we're stuck on them, Right. And they're just like, we're like banging our head against the wall, stuck in these areas. Um, and I was thinking about, okay, why? With anxiety these days, we're anxious about so much. It affects us so poorly. Um, I work with a lot of young men, and some of these men, um, they're like really talented. Like they have like gifts and strengths that like place them above or well above average people in some areas, which means that like from just a straight utility standpoint, like they can make money in the world. Go make it because they're, they, they're smart, they're capable, and they're gifted. Um, but they just, like, can't quite get off the ground. And they get some momentum, and then, like, anxiety hits or something. They get some thoughts in their head. They just can't get over those thoughts, and they just, like, kind of wind up back on the runway. Um, and I was just kind of thinking – I've been thinking a lot. Like, hey, what is going on here? I don't have the answer, or else I'd make a lot of money um, telling people the answer. I think part of it is there's, like, this worldview – that can get inside of us that can cause be a source of this anxiety. And look, we're all good Christian folk here. Like we're trying to live for the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, but the fact is we live in and amongst the world and these, this, this worldview can kind of seep into us. Another way I can describe it. Like what is the story that you're living in that you're living into? Like what are the premises? What's the plot? How do you see this thing shaken out? So this is kind of the worldly story that can really be the source of anxiety for a lot of us. And I think maybe some of these will stick out, some won't. But I think a lot of it's like, okay, here's how it goes. He goes, you only have one life to live, right? Yeah, okay, sweet, go low. Um, but God is is there. He, he's around. He got you. But generally, he's just interested or really unable to help. Like, like maybe like if you're really bad, he'll come show up. And like, you know, like, you got this. It's kind of up to you. But the thing God really wants, he wants you to be a good person, so you should do that. But besides that, basically, no one's really going to take care of you. Uh, your parents, maybe... But you kind of maybe resent them for it sometimes. I don't know. But you, you got to figure this thing out because you're on your own. Oh, and prayers for old people and on average a last-ditch strategy. You know, if you need, like, like pray for something. But anyway, so you better step up your game and make it all work out, right? Because, like, well, it's on you. Like, there's pressure and, like, yeah, you, you better figure it out. Or else you're going to fail and then you're going to let people down and then be miserable. And we all know the worst people, thing in the world is letting people down. And you better try and make it look as perfect as possible and really as easy because if it's really hard, then that's weird because everyone at Insta makes it look really easy. So you're the weird one. <laughs> so I don't know, like, if any of these resonate. But these are just little kind of, like, lies or stories that we can get into our brain. Like, oh, it's hard right now in your life? Like, that's weird. Like, it shouldn't be hard because, like, look on this person's life. They make it look so easy. They're like, man, like, 
I'm in a hard pinch right now and like God doesn't really even come to mind about like actually stopping and ask like, what does God think about this? Lord, what are you doing here? It took me a few days, um, more than a few days to really stop for the first time and ask God, what are you doing with coronavirus? Like you knew this was going to happen. It took me a few days to do that, you know? Cause I was just like, Oh, you got to figure this thing out. Stick to my routine. And I was, my routine got shot in the face like 15 times. And I finally realized, okay, God, what are you doing here? Um, that was kind of graphic, sorry. Uh, so this is the worldly worldview, right? And this is a horrible way to live, right? But what's crazy is it's so subtle. This, is, this just seeps in and just rips us apart with anxiety, crazy emotions all over the place, right? Fear, you name it. So here's, here's the actual game we're playing. You guys ready for this? Let's get some truth. Take a deep breath. Drink it in. Uh, you have you only have one life. That's true, you know. But your father in heaven created you and held you in his mind before the beginning of the world, right? But but get this: the father didn't just create you; he chose you to be in his family. Like he like went out of his way to bring you into his family. He didn't just like accidentally fall into it. Like oh shoot, Tim's here. I guess he can come to the party like he chose you. So he didn't choose you because you're perfect. In fact, he knows all your sins. Yet he chose you anyway. Right? And all he wants for you is to know his love and live with him forever. He wants you to know that he has your back. This is actually like what Jesus came to show, right? That no matter what happens in life, God has our back. Like it can look horrible. It can look like it's not going so hot. But ultimately... We're going to win. God has your back. It's going to turn out. So also the game we're playing, that life is passing. Whatever you accomplish here actually will be burned up at the end. St. Paul used the word tested, uh, like passed through fire, whatever, something like that. It's going to get burned up. But what remains is the love we pour out, our lives that we pour out, so that others may know God's love and thus live, right? And God is there to give you his spirit to make this a more joyful and natural thing in your life. Like you don't just have to like figure this whole thing out. Like just pour all your life, do it. No, no, no. God like gives you his spirit so that this makes sense in your life. That's, that's like how this game works. And then you need to turn to him and make him Lord. So you got to do, but then when you're going to fail, which inevitably happens, you just admit it and you turn back. And then we're like back on track again. Right? So this game is a heck of a lot better in this game this game is like hey you're on your own figure it out um no one can really help you uh you're gonna let people down everyone thinks it's easier than you do and you're on the struggle bus this one is much more grounded in reality with the fact that god has your back and that changes things right that says something to our anxiety that says something to our emotions that says something to our fear because that's truth. And we inject truth into these emotions, into these fears, something starts to shift. But it doesn't just like, that's not like the whole story, right? Actually, what we do from this point is we actually start to live this out day after day, to lay down our lives so that others may live. Okay, that's, that's cool, right? John 15, 13 stuff. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus, every day, laid down his life so that others may live. Jesus was all about communicating the life of, excuse me, 
of God to other people and inviting them into that, helping them participate in that. In short, the point of life is to become like Jesus. So if God has our back, that means we can actually start to give away our life a little bit more than we are now. Because, like, you know, he's not going to screw us over. And then when we do that, we actually, like, start to become like Jesus because that's what Jesus did. And then we actually start to, like, live the point of our life. So here we go. Pope Francis, Evangelii Gaudium. He says, thanks solely to this encounter or renewed encounter with God's love, which blossoms into an enriching friendship, we are liberated from our narrowness and self-absorption. We become fully human when we become more than human, when we let God bring us beyond ourselves in order to attain the fullest truth of our being. Here, we find the source and inspiration of all our efforts at evangelization. For if we, for if we have received the love which restores meaning to our lives, how can we fail to share that love with others? I love this. This is this is gold. Um this is kind of what we start to step into now that we like re- like quiet the anxiety a little bit and realize we can give away our lives a little bit more than we are now. We realize that actually like, God, you've like changed my life a little bit. And you start thinking about the like God's story and not just like, you know, Instagram story. And we start realizing like, you know, like I wasn't doing so hot before. And God, you like changed my life. And like, you have so much more in store for me than I could realize. And I can start to like turn over a little bit more to you. I can start to trust you a little bit more. And then like this encounter actually blossoms into an enriching friendship. And we start to be liberated from our narrowness. And then we start to actually let God bring us beyond ourselves. And this is the source of all our mission of realizing what God has done for us, realizing how much he's freed us, realizing how much more he has for us and how good he is. And then what comes next? Well, then we start to give our lives away, right? We start to pour ourselves out. So here we discover a profound law of reality. That life is attained and matured in the measure that it is offered up in order to give life to others. This is certainly what mission means. So I don't have like deep how-to of uh, relational evangelization and community on mission. Why? Because I think it actually has to flow from here first. And I think you are all smart college students and you can all figure it out. If I have a burning desire for other people to know the Lord, and if I just want to like pour out my life so that others can live, I'm going to freaking figure out how to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to like walk up to that random person. I think the Holy Spirit told me to go talk to him and I'm going to talk to him and it might go horribly, but you know what? I'm going to take notes and figure out what I did wrong and do better next time. Cause that's how you learn. Um, and you know, with community, like I'm going to realize that my brothers and sisters are a gift and that I actually have a lot of control in my life and I need to figure out how I can actually turn more of that over and serving other people. And I'm going to get pissed at people and I'm going to maybe isolate myself, but I need to like come back to and realize what I'm doing and start pouring out my life again. Cause then again, the this is the profound law of reality. I like the profound law of Christians. Reality is like, yeah, reality is a big deal. It's like everything. This is life. That life is attained and matured in the measure that it is offered up in order to give life to others. That's like the secret. It's not really that secret you can figure it out, but here it is for you in plain English. So what can we do? Close it. We're kind of landing the plane here. Two things. Live the right story and listen to Paul. So living the right story is what we talked about above. Don't live the Instagram story. Live the gospel. <laughs> live what God says, right? Not, not the Instagram story. That's not helpful. Thing that we do, we can listen to Paul. What does Paul say? Philippians four. This speaks directly to our. I think this is this is such a prophetic 
this powerful verse for our generation, for us as a people um, living in such a time with anxiety. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I would say, rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Boom. This isn't like pious church lady speak. This isn't like, um, this is like, this is, this is reality. This is real. Paul is talking to the human condition here and rejoicing the Lord always, right? He isn't like, it's more like, this is the high ideal. This is the high, actually rejoicing in the Lord. So like, it's my question, easy question here is like, is there any kind of like worship in your life? Is your heart ever elevated in praise of God? You're quarantined now. We don't really have morning prayer worship. That's hard. Um, or we just sit there and kind of like, hmm, yeah. But are you ever like spontaneously pray out praises to God in your prayer? Or are you just like, sometimes you're not feeling it. You just like turn your mind to God and how great he is and how much he's done for you and just praise him for that. Do you rejoice in those things? Because it seems like rejoicing is, is something here. Yeah, we all do that differently. But is that part of your life right now? Because this has something to do with the anxiety and the wacky emotions we have in our life. Um, let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Okay, God's got your back. Have no anxiety about anything. Saying here, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Um, the thanksgiving piece is key. Um, you gotta be great. You gotta be like when our. I think when my emotions are whack, um, the number one thing I do is I try to ground myself in gratitude. It's the number one thing I try to do. I try to take myself out of my head and spiraling thoughts and say, okay, Lord, what what do I, what have you done for me recently? What are you doing around me? What have you given me? And that just takes my, stops my pity party in its tracks, right? As you see how great God is and how good he is. And then what happens, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul doesn't stop there. He says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, there is any excellence, there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace will be with you. Um, Brothers and sisters, there's nothing more attractive than a community of disciples on mission and someone walking in and seeing people who are peaceful, who are confident, and who are actually interested in other people's lives. That is I can't tell you how rare that is, but that's precisely the fruit of the spirit working in our hearts, in our community. That's like what happens when we surrender ourselves, when we commit ourselves, when we, when we actually let the Lord do work in our hearts. And when we're together, we experience the fruit of the spirit working in this way. And so our emotions are actually helpful, right? Because when they're out of whack, we can simply turn to the Lord and see where we have turned astray. Am I putting my hope in the wrong thing? Am I living the wrong story? Am I living the answer story? Am I thinking the right thoughts? Am I thankful? Am I rejoicing? Just quick little, you know, like things we can have run through our brain. Um, it's good. So we can make his goals our goals. That's how we're, that's, that's like really, let's see, ultimate goal to make his goals our goals. That's the goal. There you go. We can bring ourselves back to what actually matters. We can stop the cycle. We can stop the craziness and realize what actually matters. Um, and letting his life, his spirit work in us and lead us. 
So at the end of the day, God has our backs. Number one, solid, plan it, tattoo it, whatever you got to do. God has your back. So we can pour out our lives so that others may live, right? That's kind of like the next step there. Like, well, God, the, the universe has my back. Like the guy who like made this whole thing up, he's going to take care of me. And maybe I can be a little bit more generous here. Maybe I can like start to ask him, like, what do you think is in this situation? Maybe start to like do more about something. And then all this in the context of a community, which is kind of difficult right now, but figure it all out. And in doing so, fulfill our life's purpose of becoming like Jesus.